The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. This episode of Mr. Benfica is dedicated to the memory of former Benfica player Dito, who passed away September the 3rd, 2020. Born Eduardo José Gomes Mendes, uh, born in Barcelos, Dito played 55 matches for Benfica between 1986 and in 1988 and the club also issued the following statement regarding the player's death and I will quickly read it to you before I begin this episode this is an official message from Benfica and it's I'll read it in Portuguese like I usually do and then I will translate it o Sport Lisboa Benfica manifesta o seu pesar pelo falecimento do seu antigo atleta Eduardo Marque Mendes, melhor conhecido por Tito, endereçando as mais sentidas condolências à sua família, amigos e ao Gil Vicente. Para sempre ficará na nossa memória a qualidade de um defesa central de referência em duas épocas, 86-87 e 87-88, Conquistou um título de campeão nacional e uma taça de Portugal pelo nosso clube. In English, Sport Lisboa Benfica would like to express its heartfelt um, condolences for the passing of our former athlete Eduardo Mendes, better, uh, better known as Dito. And we send our deepest sympathies and and condolences to his family and friends and to Gil Vicente that is the club where he was currently working as a as a director and he will for always remain in our memory the the club has said um as a quality central defender of reverence of reference uh, for two seasons 86-87 and 87-88 winning a championship and a cup for our club. Rest in peace to D2. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 80 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, here with you for another episode. And today, it is a little bit of a preseason report, a preseason update, if you will, on what is going on here in the beginning of 2020, 2021, even though the podcast is still operating on 2019-2020 season. But uh, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a little trip into the future, if you will. We're gonna we're gonna park it in 2020-2021 and take a look at how things are going in the preseason for Benfica and talk about what's coming up next for Benfica as this preseason rolls on. And I think we um, this is getting to be the exciting time of the year as they you know the matches are 
are starting to gain in importance. We got an international break of so to speak right now, although the team is playing through it. There's friendlies this coming Saturday, September the 5th will be one of the more bizarre days. I never remember a day where Benfica and the national team play on the same day. So we're going to have a Slesson and Benfica playing at almost the same time on Saturday. That'll be fun uh to to put to put side by side and uh we also, you know, we're we're just about 10 days away now from the Champions League qualifier or the third qualifying round playoff match. One match to decide who advances to the playoff round. It is Benfica traveling to Greece to take on Pauk. Okay, it's not Pauk. Pauk. Okay, Portuguese people are not always very good at pronouncing <laughs> pronouncing club names from difficult languages. It is pronounced Pauk. And they're going to go to to southern Macedonia, if you will. Um, if you're familiar with the the current situation in 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 that part of Greece that has been sort of battling with the nation now known as northern Macedonia um, for the name Macedonia, as that is the province of Greece, where Benfica will be traveling to. Pauk, of course, is managed by Abel Freida, former Braga manager, and features former Portugal international Vieirinha. Should be an it should be a good match, but it's it's definitely a dangerous draw. And if if you got fortunate enough to move on, because it's a one it's a one game, you know, a one match, um, winner take all. And anything can happen in those. Uh, if they're fortunate enough to move on, it's a it's a two-legged affair in the third in the playoff round. Benfica will play with Russian side Krasnodar, um, with a chance for some really bad karma to come around. Uh, not I'm not feeling good about that draw either. All right, but but we are on the onset of a brand new season so we're going to keep it light and positive today and i'm going to talk mostly about what i like so far there there's some things i don't like also and i i will touch on that but first we're going to pay a bill here all right and then we're going to come back on the other side after reconquista because this season is once again a season of reconquista and after that you know porto do zoom and we will uh, begin to talk about, we'll talk about the transfers that have come in. I've held off on talking about this, but um, I'll address it on the other side of this break. And then we'll talk about some of these uh, matches that we have played. And this won't be the longest of episodes today, but it will be informative, I hope. And I hope you'll enjoy it. So go ahead and uh, get yourself a sag, crack it open. And get ready for episode 80 of Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And on Facebook, www.mist.facebook.com, excuse me, forward slash Mr. Benfica. And don't forget to, to, to follow the PTB network as well on Twitter. It's at PTB underscore media. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo 
Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho Vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo And welcome back to episode 80 of Mr. Benfica. Let's get right into the topic of today's episode and let's talk about this preseason. So we're going to start off with, uh, as everyone knows now, we have a new manager, obviously. We've talked about it at length uh, in the previous episodes, going back probably about 10 episodes already. We've talked about this. Um, so our manager, as you know, is Jorge Zuzuz, assistant managers João de Deus, Tiago Oliveira, and Minervinho Pietra. Okay, Min, uh, Pietra is is uh, retained from last season. He has he has been the assistant coach that kind of goes, that kind of stays on with the new manager. That and um, when managers come and go, Pietra stays at least since about 2012 or so. Well, I I may have that date wrong, but he, it has been quite a few seasons now, um, not quite a decade, but probably going on that. In fact, why don't I give you the exact one here? As I'll click on. Pietra's management career. He has been a yes, so he's been an assistant at at Benfica since 2009. All right. Also in the staff, there are two personal trainers, Mario Monteiro and Marcio Sampaio, and two video analysts, Rodrigo Araújo and Gil Henriques. Two goalkeeping coaches, Fernando Freira and our old favorite third goalkeeper. Paulo Lopes is back, and great to see him in the staff. And the mental coach, which is something I think we're going to need this season, and I think every team really should put more stock into this. The mental coach is Ivandro Mota. So everyone on that staff, minus Pietra and minus Paulo Lopes, were with JJ at Flamengo last season. All right. With that out of the way, let's talk about the players. All right. So we have a, we have a roster. Right now, the transfer window is not closed. It closes on October the 5th, so there could be still more movement. I expect there'll still be some movement out. I don't know about in. We'll see if we can get anybody else in. At this moment, the deal for Darwin Nunez is supposedly done. However, at the 11th hour, there was a a stop brought to the process as, as Darwin's father had interjected and I think they they fought over some more commissions and um, 
he ordered he ordered his son Darwin back to the hotel while he spoke to to the Benfica representatives. This is according to Correio da Manhã and according to Record, but um. Also, Ebola had a little bit of a report that there was an uh, Ebola reported in the last couple of hours now that uh, the only thing holding up the presentation of the player now is uh, the medical exams, which got delayed due to the the stop in the proceedings due to these supposed commissions that had to be renegotiated. But it sounds like uh, Darwin Nunez will be will be presented as a Benfica player on a Friday. Uh, September the 4th so by the time you hear this it should be official um, I'm interested to see what the terms of the deal are I'm, I'm interested to see how many seasons he is going to be signed for he does come with a hefty price price tag of 24 million euros and I know a lot of people I've heard it I've read it everybody's making a big deal about this price tag but please the player is 21 years old okay he the idea that that 24 million euro price tag means he has to deliver right away is is makes no financial sense okay when you make a big purchase you don't expect that purchase to be an immediate you know an investment does not turn a profit overnight if you look at it that way okay and yes every single one of these players is an investment by the club so when you make a heavy investment some investments are made for the short term some are players that are or investments or players, however you want to look at it. You look at it in your own life, in your own portfolio. I don't know. I don't know where you all put your money, but I know when I when I take on an investment, sometimes I'm looking for a quick turnaround. Sometimes I'm in it for the long run. Sometimes it's an intermediate. Sometimes it's a wait and see. Sometimes it's a project. Okay, players come like that too. So to think that the only the only possible only possibility of this player is that he's going to come in and next week in the Champions League deliver two goals or be a starter already is, is a little bit short-sighted in my opinion, my humble opinion. Okay, I know not everybody agrees with that, but that's what I think. If this player signs a contract for 5 years and he doesn't deliver until the 4th or 5th year, but then he gives us, you know, two seasons at the end where he has 20 to 25 goals a season at the age of 25 and 26 and then we sell him then, then that's a good investment. The idea that he's got to come in this year and turn around and become our leading goal scorer to me is a little bit short-sighted. Maybe that is what the club has in mind, but maybe it's not. We don't know. Okay? We don't know. And like I said, when when I buy an investment, sometimes I want to turn it around as soon as possible, and some of them I want to put away and watch them grow. Okay, so that's just that's just common sense, you know. And we'll we'll see where where this Darwin Nunez things goes. Let's wait till it's official. Okay, we've been caught already this summer getting a little too excited about something before it's official. So um, I'll get that out of the way right now. Edison Cavani. I've I've moved on. Okay, you know what? Uh, I think Befica made more than a made more than a gracious offer towards Edison Cavani. Okay, they gave, obviously he's still not signed by anybody. Yeah, you can sell all the papers you want saying Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. At the end of the day, they're not even they haven't signed him. Leeds United was supposedly in the running with us. They haven't signed him. It's once it it, it broke down with us. So. I don't believe any of it, to be honest with you, and probably at the last minute, Edison Cavani will sign with somebody, 
And who knows who it's going to be or what it's going to be for. But I think him and his brother were playing a lot of games with Benfica. And I think they were disrespecting the club and the way they were playing some of these games. From what I could see, of course, I don't have inside knowledge. But you read the stories. One day it's this amount. Then it's it's, it's X amount. Then it's Y. And they play this game of back and forth. Oh, he's going to be presented on Monday. Oh, he's going to arrive next Saturday. Oh, we got to wait till after the Champions League final so we can have the stadium, which nobody was presented at the stadium this this season. So that that was a, that was just uh, that was just a lie to to try to to try to push this thing forward and maybe to hold on to it a little longer. I think Befica were trying to use the Cavani interest maybe to attract other players. Maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't. Um, a part of me thinks Benfica thought they had a deal. It really looks like Benfica thought that they had a deal for Edison Cavani, and the games kept going on, and the the, the terms kept being. It's it's kind of like you know when you buy a car and you go in to buy it, and you got this price in in mind, and then the dealer says, "Okay, well I'll sell it to you for this," and you're like, "Well, it's a little more than what I want to spend, but you know what? This is a good car. It, you know, there's a lot of potential here, or I'll look really good in this." <laughs> Because Cavani was not a car with potential. Cavani is a car that you're going to look good in. That's essentially... He was a signing that made more financial sense than it made football sense. Yes, he could score a lot of goals. But he also is injury prone and may not score a lot of goals. Okay? But what he... The reason he was attractive was, one, Luis Felipe Vieta is trying to get reelected. He's trying desperately. And he is showing signs that he's afraid he his position is actually up for... Uh, it's actually up in the air. Like there's actually a possibility he could lose. Secondly, he wants to build the brand of Benfica in China. And that's probably the best player available this summer to do that. This is the most known player. You've already seen the monochromatic low, uh, badge on our jerseys. The gold and black uh, Benfica badge on our jerseys. That's not for you and I. That is because of what's ex- what's acceptable or what's attractive in China. You ask me, these kits look as much like Manchester United as you can possibly make a Befica kit. The only difference would have been to play in black socks, which they've done before because that is the original Befica kit in 1904. Spart Lisboa uh, wore red tops, white shorts, and black socks, but they didn't do that. Had they done that, they probably would. They probably didn't do that knowing that it would have looked too much like Manchester United. I think Luis Felipe Vieira and... His his the brains the brain trust around him looked at Manchester United's popularity in Asia, a market they're desperate to break into, and said, "Hey, let's let's take a look. Let's see how we can look like them." They also have the monochromatic gold badge. They've also used that. They also have the black stripes. <laughs> they also have the white and black shorts. It literally is an identical identical kit. So I think. Cavani was part of of this this Asia and China obsession that that Luis Vieira has as much as it was a footballing one. And let's let's be honest, he would have sold who you know x amount of jerseys. He would have sold more jerseys than than probably any Benfica player right now is going to sell, and anyone has sold in quite some time, especially outside of Portugal. He gives that kind of visibility, but I think that that's gone. Maybe we'll, who knows, maybe something will happen on the night before the transfer market uh, closes. Who knows what's going to happen? This is such a funny market this year, but 
we should be moved on from that. I, I've given up on him. And if you see Darwin, Darwin uh, Nunez presented tomorrow with a number nine jersey, that'll tell you that it's over. Anyway, some players have also left. So going out on loan once again for Benfica. They have sent out five players on loan this season. Some of them were sent out last season, and um, they're continuing on loan. We have... Uh, Argentinian defender Herman Conti. He's at Atlas in Mexico, at least until December 31st of this year. Oscar Benitez is at Delfin. Rodrigo Cayo is at Sharija in the Middle East until June 30th of 2021. Jetson Fernandez, as you will remember, is at Tottenham Hotspur until the 30th of June 2021. And just recently... Colombian Johnny Gonzalez was loaned to Major League Soccer's LA Galaxy until the 31st of December with an option to buy. Players still under contract right now as we speak. And let's see here. This, these players under contract. I lost my screen for a moment. Bear with me. Here we go. These players are still under contract. Igor Rodriguez, uh, Christian Lema, Pedro Pereira. Philippe Krovinovic, his future is yet to be decided, but it looks like he's going to go back to West Brom to stay. Alpha Semedo is still up in the air. Aphasia up in the air. Facundo Freira up in the air. And Jonder Khadij still up in the air, according to, to Wikipedia, at least, as we move on. So here are some more players that have gone out on loan this season. All right, so we have... We have sent out Tyrone Ebui has gone to FC Twente in in the Netherlands. He goes on loan, okay, as does Ioni Gonzalez, as we just said. Ivan Zlobin has gone for an undisclosed fee on a permanent move to Famalicão, but as I understand it, Benfica retained 50% of his rights in the future. And Andrea Zivkovic, the long... The long uh, Long time uh, thorn, if you will, in the side of Benfica in terms of they couldn't get rid of him. They he couldn't he wouldn't pl- he wasn't delivering as a player. There was something there. Well, he is now a free agent. He has been released. He came to terms with his agree. He came to terms with his release from Benfica. I'm sure he's a very wealthy man now. Uh, so let's talk about the players that came in. We talked about Darwin Nunez already. All right, I'll move past them. We brought in already last season. We brought in Pedrinho from Corinthians. I am more on this, more up on this player than than some other people. I've seen a lot of negative feedback regarding this player. Came in for eighteen million, as we got a little bit of a discount due to the Corona situation. But there, there's a player there. It may take some time. Listen, Brazilians coming to Europe always, almost always, have you know they have an adaptation period. And you have to understand that, especially for someone 22 years old. He has never played for anyone but Corinthians. This is his first time outside of Corinthians, much less outside of Brazil. And he's played for, he's a Brazil U23 international. And I think as the season goes on, I think you could see this guy's, this guy's uh, profile and this guy's role in the team grow and increase. And remember that Benfica need a deep team this year. 
okay, we're going to play the same amount of matches we normally play, and we're going to do it in about a month's less time. Normally, we're a month into the season already during this international break. Instead, we are 15 days away from the start of the league, okay? So keep that in perspective. We have like a month and a half less time to play with. JJ's not known for for rotating his squad. He's not known for moving players around. Um, in fact, Brazilians were very skeptical of his lack of squad rotation with Flamengo last year until it started, you know, giving his lack of, of squad rotation turned into very good results. But I think this year he is going to have to he is going to have to utilize two players for just about every position or for most positions. So a guy like Pedrinho is is good to have. Okay, he is um, he's a player with good skill. He plays. He's a good attacking midfielder. He plays wide on the right mostly, but he is a very good uh, attacking player. Gilberto is in for three million from Fluminense. He is a right back, and well, he hasn't. He's also someone I think he may take even longer. He may take some time too to adapt. Okay, I don't know if he's going to take longer than Pedrinho or not. Um, but George Jesus has had his eye on this guy for for some time since he was in Brazil, so I expect um, George. I trust George Jesus's judgment with this player in terms of his ability and in terms of his potential. Okay, he's not the youngest player, but he will, it's not the most expensive um, risk, and he brings depth to a place we sorely needed at right back. And, yeah, it's another right back who doesn't defend very well. But that doesn't mean that he can't learn to defend under J.J. You know, remember, J.J. converted Fabio Cointreau from a mediocre to average forward into a a left back that was bought by Real Madrid for a very hefty price and one of the best left backs at the 2010 World Cup after, you know, less than a calendar year in that position. So, um. I think that that we're we're gonna figure it out. I think we're gonna be defensively better as time goes on and as these players get used to the methods and get used to JJ's training and JJ's uh, philosophies. Elton Late was brought in for an undisclosed fee from Boavista. He is expected to back up. Uh, he will back up Odysseus Vlacodimo in goal, and I think it's a it is a upgrade in the backup position. Not much more than that, but I think it is somebody that we always say this. Should something happen to Vlacodimo, I think Elton Late is more prepared and he he has much more experience as a starter in this league. And I think we're better served with him as the backup goalkeeper than we would be with Svilar. I mean, Svilar has the he's got he's got potential, but again, he's not ready right now and. He, I, if you ask me, he needs to keep playing in the B team. That's probably not what they're going to do with him, but I don't think a year as the third keeper not playing anywhere is going to do him any good either. Moving on, we brought in maybe the best signing of the, of the offseason is this guy, he, and it's a much-needed area of the field where we sorely needed help, especially um, because he plays on the left side of the central defense. It's Jan Vertogen who came in on a free from Tottenham Hotspur. He is one of the most international or most capped Belgian internationals of all time if he's not, in fact, the record um, record cap holder for the Belgian national team. He is with Belgium right now. And Belgium manager Roberto Martinez has has already praised the move for Vertonghen, saying it was a very smart decision and that he is going to a very 
good good place for him at this stage in his career. Very excited to see him because he's going to help that left side of the defense immensely. And he can also, in a Champions League match, should we get there, where we're going to face a, a heavy attack-minded opponent, a powerful attack-minded uh, opponent. He can even service as a left back if needed in a four, in a four-four-two where the the backs have to defend more. Okay, he's a much more defensive option at left back if necessary, and when not necessary, he's you know an undisputed starter in the middle of the defense on the left side, partnering with Ruben Dias and protecting whoever that left back is. If it's Grimaldo, we know that he has his deficiencies defensively. Hopefully, JJ will improve those. Um, if it's... if it's, I don't think you're going to see Nuntavarsh. Okay, I'll get to him when we talk about the matches. But in this segment, we're talking about the, the players in and the players out. Um, so I think that Vertonghen is a versatile guy who can help in the back line. And I think it's a huge pickup for us. I mean, to get a player of this class and this caliber, central defenders can play much later, you know, into their 30s than, than other players. And again, I, I go back to, to these guys are, are like football geniuses. If you watch them play, if you sit up in the Tercet in the in the balcony, and you watch these these veteran central defenders and the movements they make and the, where their eyes are and how they read the game, something we were lacking last season sorely. Okay, uh, Fehu was not providing that. And unfortunately, um, you know, Jardel, for everything he did for this club, and he's still here, he's still the captain of the club, but... but he is not. He is not nowhere near the level of a Jan Vertonghen. So I'm very excited to see Vertonghen in a Benfica uniform. I'm looking forward to to allowing fewer goals. Um, big signing, also a huge signing for us, and maybe the biggest steal of this transfer season was getting Everton from Grêmio of Porto Alegre in Brazil. 20 million euros for Everton. They call him Everton Cibolinha. And I have already seen the social media try and call him a flop. You, If you think this guy is not a footballer, man, go watch Badminton or something, okay? Honestly, it, and never mind where he came from. Never mind that he was at, at Grêmio, okay? He, one year ago, was the golden boot winner in the Copa America for Brazil, who won the Copa America, okay? He won he won the golden boot. Okay, he was arguably the best player in that entire tournament on a team that may have not included Neymar as he was scratched. However, his championship winning team in that Copa America also featured Gabriel Jesus, featured Philippe Coutinho, featured William. You know, I can go on and on. It was a a strong strong Brazilian team. And uh, he was an undisputed starter, and he was the top goal scorer, and he, he made a name for himself. And it's amazing that um, Benfica were able to land this this player, twenty million. Um, I have the feeling he may not be around very long because I think he is going to explode this season and have the kind of season that that we're hoping. Uh, you could see it already in the matches he's played. He's got he's got the touch. He's got the play. He's gonna adapt to the European game. I think I don't think it'll take him too long to adapt. He's playing for a manager who he highly respects and a manager who who thinks very highly of him. And um, while he does not provide that defensive um, cover that Franco Cervi provided in that position last last season as the left sided midfielder, he. Um, 
of course, the the inclusion, like I said, of Jan Vertonghen on that side uh, should should free him up to not have to worry so much about that. And I think Everton is potentially going to have, you know, he's right there. And I think he, he has the potential to explode this season, depending how many he could do in Europe, where they go in Europe, and what kind of visibility they get. Plus, we'll see how the, how this season goes. And, you know, if he if he picks up the kind of assists and goals and assists numbers that that you would expect of a Brazil national team player in the Portuguese league, then I think he is going to put a big spotlight on himself, if not for, for next summer, the following, okay? Uh, going into going into the 2021-2022 season. Um, if we can keep him for two years, I think that's going to be a huge, um, a huge turnaround and a huge uh, win in that investment. Okay, another exciting signing, and, and a lot of people are excited about this guy, and I surely am, and I, uh, I'm i kind of bummed that I haven't really got a chance to see him yet, but it is Luca Waldschmidt who joins us from Freiburg of the German Bundesliga, and he comes for 15 million euros. Okay, five-year contract. Excited about him. He's going to wear the number 10. He plays the number 10. It's exciting. It's someone who finally fits into that role of a João Felix. If that's how we want to play, we have the player now to go in that position. I'm very, very excited about Luca Waldschmidt, and um, I can't wait to see him play. I can't wait until this, until we get everybody on the pitch at the same time. Uh, of course, we got to get through this international window here, and then September the fifteenth. That's the day in Greece against Pauk. And uh, be interested to see what 11 uh, Georges Zouge goes with. If he gives preference to the guys that have been here this week and have had the extra work and gotten the extra familiarity with each other and have gotten, like they say in Portuguese, mais rutina, more routines, more repetitions. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes with them or if he's going to pop the internationals back in and hope that uh, the rhythm and the chemistry is not lost and that the work that they've done in the previous three weeks is continued and that the progression continues into that match. But those are the players that have come in at this point. Like I said, October the 5th, one month from tomorrow, will be the final day of the transfer window. And I'm going to take a break now that we have discussed the transfers in and out. And on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about some of these matches. All right, this is Mr. Benfica, episode 80. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And again, follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 80. Now we've talked about the transfers, the players in, the players out. I also failed to mention Diogo Gonçalves is another player that came in from Fumlico. As you know, he is our original youth player that um, went to Fumlico and came back this offseason and has has seen some minutes here in the preseason. So let's talk about the preseason for a little while. Let's go down the the roster, okay? This is the roster as it stands today, 
on September the the 3rd, okay? It, you have Svilar in the number one jersey. Gilbert is number two. Uh, Grimaldo is number three. Jan Vertonghen, number five. Ruben Dias, number six. Everton is seven. Gabriel is eight. Luka Waldschmidt, ten. Chervi, 11. Seferovic, 14. Chiquinho, 19. For now, Diego Souza is number 20, although the club is looking to offload him to cancel his loan, looking to, to come to an agreement to, to fish. And also we have Pizzi in number 21, of course. Samadhi is still with us, though he sees very few minutes uh, at number 22. Diogo Salves that I just spoke about is the number 23. Hafa, the 27. 28 is Ulian Weigel, and 33 is Jardel, 34 Andre Almeida, Pedrinho is 38, Adel Tarapt, 49, Florentino, 61, 71, Nuntavarj, Jota, 73, Elton Late will wear the 77 as the backup goalkeeper, Tomas Tavarj, 84, De- David Tavarj, 92, Carlos Vinicius, Vinny Goal, my cousin Vinny, is number 95 again, Fejo 97, and Odiseas Vlacodimos is number 99. That is our roster right now as it stands. So let's talk about the matches that have been played this uh, preseason. So the first match, if you will, it was a training match, but it was... August the 15th at Seychelles, Benfica played Benfica B in an inter-squad match, if you will, and it was a 4-0 victory to the first team. Pedrinho, Waldschmidt, Chiquinho, and Everton with the goals. A week later, they took on Istrio Praia, second division side, and it was a, a 4-1 result. And Goals were scored two by Pizzi, one by Florentino, and another by Franco Cervi. Istriel Praia did get one of their own, scored by Hossier, and uh, I don't like that. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I don't care if it's a friendly. I don't care what kind of match it is. When you, I don't want that ball going in our goal. All right. Uh, three days later, Benfica 4, Belenic Sad, Nil Seferovic, Gilbert Jota, and Diogo Salves with those goals. And... Um, Benfica would continue that the next day, in fact. So probably an uh, an entirely different squad. Uh, this match was not televised, so it was hard to to know. But it was on the very next day. Benfica five, Farence one. Farence, of course, in the first division this year, as they were promoted. And it was Pizzi, Diogo Salves, um, Adel Tarapt, and Seferovic with the goals. So. Oh, Seferovic with two goals in the 82nd and the 85th minute. So it looks like uh, some of the players were retained. Probably, I'm going to guess a lot of players played one half on one day and one on the other. But, uh, again, another goal surrendered. I don't like goals surrendered, okay? Benfica, when you're playing this level of competition, needs to keep clean sheets. I don't want to hear who was playing defense. I don't want to hear who you were experimenting. You're playing against a competition that you need to get clean sheets against, especially... You know, in, in, in a match where the other team isn't even, you know, at the rhythm. Benfica started training earlier than anybody else for obvious reasons because Benfica have to go play in the UEFA Champions League third qualifying round. So they had to start earlier. They're further ahead. They should be able, they should not have this many goals surrendered 
in preseason, in my opinion. But I, I put a lot of, of, of importance on that. I put more importance on that than I do on how much they're clicking and how much they're moving the ball. And you know how I feel about possession. Um, and then August 30th, Mefica versus Bournemouth. Uh, recently relegated Bournemouth to the Football League Championship. Uh, Benfica 2, Bournemouth 1, goals by Tarapt and Everton. Two very, very good goals from Benfica and a absolute, um, an absolute just, uh, an absolute, what's the word? <laughs> the word, they, they completely fell asleep on Bournemouth's goal. Everybody just lack of, an absolute lack of concentration. And and Danjuma gets himself half a yard of space. Benfica's retreating. Nobody's looking. They give him the space to shoot, and he puts one past Vlacodimos that he had no chance for. But overall, a good game and goal for Vlacodimo. And then he, on the 2nd of September, it was Benfica 2, Braga 1. Again, another goal surrendered by Paulinho. In the in the in the 30th minute, and it was a nice play from Andrea Orta, playing as a second forward of so a new a sort of new position for him. Again, I don't like that we gave up that goal, uh, but I can I can understand a little bit more in this one because we were without the 10 international players that were off representing their national teams. Still, I want to see an I want to see a focus on getting clean sheets, and. Our goals were scored by both goals by Carlos Vinicius. He scored a nice one in the 56th, and then was fortunate in the 90th plus three uh, when a defender fell, made a poor decision, decided to slide after a ball instead of deciding to to drop and get in position. He was able to walk in. He dribbled the goalkeeper and won the game for Benfica in the 90th plus three. However, there's talking points from that match. I'm really going to focus my talking points on that match. It's the most recent one, the most uh, fresh in the memory. Um, but with the last two matches that were televised, one thing that I noticed that I liked, Benfica are starting the game on the right foot. They are coming out looking to play. They are bringing intensity, something we lacked last season. All season was intensity. I like seeing that high press from Befica. I like seeing them force mistakes. Adel Tarap's goal comes from a mistake. Okay, his goal against Bournemouth, that is, comes from a mistake, and then he finishes brilliantly. Okay, and then against Braga, I just those first ten minutes again were ferocious. If we can extend that phase of the game out to the first 20, 25 minutes, we're going to get a lead on most teams. And then we can go from there. And I think that is George Azusa's goal is to, is to increase that phase of the game. And they are training hard through these matches. So that needs to be taken into account as well in terms of the lack of fitness or in the you know the, the rapid deceleration of, of intensity and of pace of play. That we're seeing, and we saw it. Yeah, we saw it against Braga after we t after the first 10, 15, 20 minutes where we had the pace being pushed and we were playing high and 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 pressing. Uh, Braga took control once they su survived that. They had a good phase of probably thirty to forty minutes there in the middle middle third of the match. You know, maybe fifteen, probably about fifteen minutes on each half. You know, on each side of halftime, where they were better than us. And where they were in control. And then we regrouped a little bit towards the end. Of course, something I do have to mention is Adel Tarapt getting sent off in a friendly for a tackle that was absolutely stupid. There's no defending that tackle. There's It's needless. 
especially when he comes in with the second foot. There is no need to do that. And he was correctly sent off. And he was lucky to get a second yellow and not a straight red. Had this been an official match, and this goes to VAR, this is a red card. There's no question about it. It was a needless foul. And this is my beef with this player. He's got so much in his feet. Okay, he can do so much in his feet. But between his ears, there seems to be nothing there. He doesn't think the game well. He doesn't position himself well defensively. Okay, he he's a good, he's a very very good dribbler of the ball. He's a good passer of the ball. He's good going forward. But when we don't have the ball, we're playing with ten men, and then he puts us literally playing with ten men for a tackle that is needless in the middle of the park. Okay. Yes, there's a place for this player on this team, but we cannot rely too much on him because, personally, I don't trust that player to stay in the match. I don't trust him to stay out of the referee's book. He gets booked almost every match. And then we, we have to go into a game at some point where he's on a fifth yellow card or he was sent off the week before. Adele Tadop needs to get something between the ears if he's going to make the most of the ability he has with his feet. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of you like him. I know he's a very popular player. And I think that he is a valuable player when he is not making ridiculously bad decisions like that one. Am I coming down too hard on him? I don't think so. He's an experienced player at this point in his career, and he should know better. Now, what I also have seen and heard, and a lot of people are beating up Nuntavarj, and yes, Nuntavarj should not be on this first team right now. I'm 100% in agreement with that. I'm not ready to write the player off. Okay, I pull up his transfer market profile here. Looking at his career statistics. Okay, he's 20 years old. All right, he has 19 Liga Pro matches. That's 19 second division matches. 11 Liga Nage matches. He's got a total of 20 matches in his senior career, okay? He's got a goal and four assists in in those in those 20 matches. All four assists coming from the second division. No, he's got a he's got four assists in the second division, four in the first division. So he's actually got quite a bit of production. He's got eight matches in the UEFA Youth League, which is not obviously the Youth League, which is not obviously a senior competition. In the Allianz Cup, he's got three, which is the the current name for the Tasa de Liga, and he's got a, a Portuguese Cup match and a Super Cup match. So in total, he has played 25 senior matches. That's not even an entire season. So before we write this kid off forever, Yes, he has no place on this team right now. He needs to go out on loan. He needs to either go back to the B team or he, if that's blocking someone else's development, which it may very well be, he's got to go on loan to another team in the second or lower in the first division. He needs to learn how to defend. If he's going to be a left back, he needs to learn how to defend. One thing I will hammer this club, our club, about in development. Yes, we have a gr- we have the great Seychelles, but if you listen to the three episodes I put out covering the Youth League Finals, okay, the, the Elite Eight of the Youth League, we do a lot of things well in player development. We do not do well in defending, in developing defenders. Part of the reason is because we never have to defend. Even against Real Madrid, we hardly had to defend. They were countering on us. So it's going to be very hard to, to develop defenders at that point. They need to go on loan before they can go to the first team. Nuntavarish needs to go to a team where he is going to defend and learn from a coach that knows how to teach, defend, and has time to devote to a left-back you know where he is either their first or second choice left back because in this team he, he 
the mister cannot spend all his time. George Zush cannot spend his time teaching Nuntavarish how to play left back, how to defend, something he should have learned when he was 15 years old. So, in that, and this is not a knock on the player. It's not his fault. Okay, he's always been on a strong team that has never had to defend. That's why he needs to go to a lower team. He needs to go to a team that is constantly being attacked where he can learn the defensive principles and the defensive uh, the defensive methodology and the defensive philosophy so he can become a much more rounded player, okay? You guys can can hate on him for the mistakes he makes, but he's so green. He is so green. And there is there is still an upside to this player. If you're giving up on a 20-year-old, you're crazy. So I would like to see him go to a to a Morirense or even to the second division to an Academica or to one of the teams that maybe not in the second division because they he's going to find himself attacking more just because he's probably going to go to a team that that is attacking. But possibly if he can go to to a team here in the first division or abroad where he has to defend, I think he is going to mold into into a much better player. He needs, in my opinion, he needs to go somewhere and play, you know, 40 to 50, 60 matches at, as a first-team player learning how to play that position properly and not play it like Grimaldo plays it, okay? Because he needs to be an upgrade, and if he wants to be a, because he's he doesn't have, he doesn't have the same ability as Grimaldo, so he can't get away with being a defender who can't defend. Okay, if he can round out his game somewhere, he could have a very successful career, even if it's not at Benfica. But for Benfica, from a Benfica perspective, I would like to see him go get twenty-five to fifty matches somewhere where he's a first-choice player, where he's playing ninety minutes in his position. Not moved to the right, okay, in his position where he can get the principles down and maybe come back a more complete player next season or even the season after. That's just my opinion on Nuntavarsh. I've seen him get absolutely massacred in the social media. And he, he has had a hard time, and there's no question about that. But there's reasons for that. And Tomas Tavares is in the same boat if he can even get anywhere near the pitch. I think he has to go, absolutely has to go on loan. Um, both of those players completely mismanaged by the club. The blame is on the club and on the previous staff, okay? Or on the administration that forced the staff to move these guys through the ranks far too quickly. Okay, let's not make the same mistakes with the youth players we just saw get to the final of the U UEFA Youth League. Okay, let's not make the same mistakes with the João Pereira. Let's not make the same mistakes with the Tiago Araujo. Let's let's let them develop. Let's let them get the necessary minutes and reps and matches at the proper levels before we throw them into the first team. Please, let's never ever debut kids in the Champions League ever again. That's my rant on that. We've said that before, but I felt the need to say it again. All right, Befica play Saturday, September the the 5th at home against uh, against Rennes at the Stade Luge. At, looks like it's going to be a 3 o'clock kickoff time. Ironically, uh, almost the identical kickoff time to Portugal at the Stadio de Dragon taking on uh, Croatia. Maybe... Uh, Maybe the information I have here is slightly off. I hope so, because that's a ridiculous um, move by the club to put themselves up up against the national team on on TV and split an audience. There's no need for that. Um, they really. It's strange seeing friendlies being played. Not that they don't normally play these friendlies, 
during international breaks. It is actually kind of common, but usually they're played behind closed doors. But this is it. This is the last match for Benfica to get prepared for their trip to Greece in a one one match player take a uh, winner take all third qualifying round of the UEFA Champions League. All right, so. As far as the podcast goes, okay, yes, I still have the season finale coming your way very soon. Okay, I'm working on it. I'm actually waiting on a little more information. I'm doing more research because I'm still there's still some loose ends I want to tie together and be able to explain better. So I'm doing some more research. But it will be a review of the 1989-90 season, the year Erickson returned to Benfica. Why that season? Because... That was kind of like this season, a year where Georges Zouge returns to Benfica. Okay, so I want to compare the returns. Give us a starting point maybe of where to start judging Georges Zouge from. Maybe that's unfair, but we'll work through that over the course of telling the story of 89-90. And, of course, the the season premiere of season three. <laughs> There will be almost no off-season in Mr. Benfica world, but the season premiere of season three will be following the match with Pauk. All right, so I will be reviewing that like I would any other official match. It's the first official match of 2020-2021, so that will be the first episode of season three of Mr. Benfica. So thank you for hanging with me here today. Thank you for listening to my diatribe, listening to my monologue, listening to me complain and... Um, analyze not much match analysis obviously kind of me just uh just rattling off my thoughts on what what's going on so far so um thank you again and don't forget to check out all the information um on www.mrbenfica.com the finishing touches are being put on a on a brand new website it will be at the same address obviously and um very soon that'll have a new look to it also please follow the ptb media network that is my new business if you will uh, i decided that working two jobs as an employee full-time was not enough i have officially tried to start a a podcasting business here with the ptb media network i ask all of you for uh, your support, and by support, I just mean I ask you to check out the content. Please download it. Even if you don't listen to it, download it, okay? Help me get some numbers up there. I'm working on getting some more sponsors for the for the network. So the more, the more clicks, the better. I don't ever want to charge anyone for anything, and I really don't want to work behind a desk answering phones for the state of Massachusetts. Um, not the state, but for a company representing the state of Massachusetts anymore. And I'm trying to make this thing happen, trying to make a part-time job of this which would be enough for me to leave one of my other two jobs. And I don't know, it could take a, a year or two, but that is the long-term goal. So I'm going to ask all of you to uh, to give me your support by just clicking the post, retweeting, um, downloading the shows, clicking the shows, even if you don't listen to them. Just get me those, those plays if you can. It would be a huge help, and um, hopefully it can free up more time for me to create more content and hopefully higher quality content going forward. Thank you again, and if you haven't yet and you're interested, check out my other uh, podcast that I just launched about a week and a half ago, Flamingo Nation. If you're interested, I'm covering Flamingo post Georges Zouche, which is an interesting story to tell right now, but uh, it's been kind of in neutral for the last couple of weeks, so I have a couple of matches to cover. Going to get to that probably this weekend and next week as well. Also, a Mr. Portugal episode is coming and 
This week, uh, I may be getting together with some friends and talking about a couple of matches that are going on this Saturday simultaneously, maybe. Uh, so stay tuned to my feed. Check out my my um, my YouTube channel if you haven't yet. I've got some stuff up there, and also um, I got segments of various podcast episodes, and there'll be more of that in Season 3. I'll be putting probably a, at least a segment per episode up on YouTube. So, okay, thank you. I have taken enough of your time this Friday here. <laughs> so thank you for listening to Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Augustine. signing off. And I will talk to you again in about a week or so when we talk about 1989-1990. And we will make the final turn around the corner and go into 2020-2021 after that. Thank you.